Hey, speaking of the word, if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand and one of the ushers will provide one to you. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible, please, please raise your hand and uh, they will be going up and down the aisles passing those out. Um, but I welcome you to turn with me to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. And this is a portion of scripture that I shared with the youth a couple months back now. And um, we have been talking about Jesus coming, the idea of that we should all be ready for his return. And what better night, what better, what better night than to talk about it than tonight? Um, and why is that? It's because he could return at any point. And if he tarries and he doesn't come tonight, then what a better day than tomorrow to talk about these things. Because Jesus can return at any point. Are we ready? Are we ready? And that is kind of the, uh, the topic, the idea uh, that we're going to be going through uh, in Matthew 22, but really throughout uh, Second Peter, we'll be jumping from scripture to scripture, so uh, be ready. Um, but uh, there in Matthew 22, in verses 1 through 14, we see the parable of the wedding feast. And a parable is a story which indirectly points to a truth. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning or perspective. And here in verse 1 of Matthew 22, we see that it says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. And again, he sent out other servants, saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. Verse 5, but they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest they seized his servants, they treated them spitefully, and they killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Verse 8, then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants, they went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Verse 11, but when the king came in to see the guests, he saw that a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth 
For many are called, but few are chosen. Hey guys, I know we, we've prayed, but let's pray again. God, thank you for this parable. Thank you for this portion of scripture. We pray, God, that if we've never accepted you as Savior, that you would open up our eyes tonight. For those of us that have, that we would be praying for those that haven't. God, please have your way in our lives, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in verse 1, we see that Jesus answered and spoke to them again in parables. And the idea here was that Jesus was warning the crowd. He was warning the religious leaders of the time, basically his audience, of the danger of rejecting him. And likewise, the way that he was trying to get their attention then, I believe he's trying to get our attention tonight. See, he repeats himself and he continues to say these things throughout the gospel because they are of importance. Because he's trying to say, hey, hey, I've said this before. Hey, this, this is important. Get this. And likewise, as he was talking to the people there, as he was talking to the crowd, he's talking to us here tonight. We know that God's word, that it is living, and it is for today. And what we've read is for tonight, is for this very moment. It is for someone sitting in the chairs here tonight that hasn't accepted Jesus. It's a knock at the door, right? It's a knock at the door. Jesus is saying, tonight's the night. Will you accept me? And we see in verse 2 that the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And we know that marriage is one of the most significant social events in a person's life. And it seems like even more so when it comes to royalty, when it comes to a king and his son or a king and his daughter. And in verse 3 it says, And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. That's almost like a head-scratcher, right? Why wouldn't they want to attend a royal wedding? Why wouldn't they want to partake of this? And um, my brother-in-law, he, he worked for some time in a, uh, a hotel that was located on a private island. You had to take a boat to get to this hotel. And uh, it was a fancy hotel, right? Hotel that I'll probably never stay in. Uh, I think he's told me that each night can cost as much as $20,000 a night to stay there. Definitely won't be staying there, right? But this couple, they were well off, and they decided, you know what? We're going to rent out the entire island, the entire hotel for our wedding. You say, wow, right? Not only did they rent out the entire hotel, the entire island, but it wasn't for one night. It was a three-day event. And then not only was it a three-day event and did they rent out the entire hotel, but they had so many guests that they had yachts parked outside. And these, these guests, they stayed inside of the yachts because we don't have any more room on the island, guys, but we want you to come. We want you to come. And some cool things about this wedding, okay? Obviously, there's decoration in a hotel. I'm assuming fine decoration in a hotel of this magnitude. Well... The bride, she said, hmm, can we change everything? I, I want everything to match the color of my wedding. 
And they were like, go for it. So she changed everything to match the color of the wedding. Again, I spoke of the yachts. So many extravagant things in this wedding, right? I can only imagine what the food was. I can only imagine, you know, um, what the party was like. Imagine being invited to this wedding, right? Imagine them telling you, hey, you and your wife, you guys get a yacht. Enjoy it for three days. Come, partake of this wedding. Partake of this time together. And you're like, I'm good. I, I have those days off, but I'm good. I, I, nah, I, I don't, I don't want to go. But you have your own yacht. You, you, it, just, just come and, and enjoy the food. No, I, I'm all right. I'm all right. It makes no sense. But you see, that's what we see here. And again, in verse 3, it says, He sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Verse 4, again, he sent out other servants, saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. See, if I'm inviting someone to a wedding like this, and they tell me no, I'm like, all right. But this king, he invites him a second time. He invites him a second time. And I got to think, our heavenly father, he's invited us quite a few times to join him in heaven one day. He's invited us quite a few times to be a son, to be a daughter, to be a part of that celebration of being able to go to heaven one day. And maybe we're here tonight and we've said, I'm good. Or we've made light of it and we said, not right now. Not, not tonight. And really there's no reason for it. But there in verse 4, we see that the king, he had prepared a dinner for his guests. And I looked at that word prepared and it reminded me of John 14. And in John 14 in verses 2 through 3, it says, In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You may be there also. He has a place prepared for you. And verse 5, it's a sad verse. It says, but they made light of it and they went their ways, one to his own farm and another to his business. To make light of something is to downplay it. It's to devalue it. It's to think nothing of it. It's to attach little importance to it. Friends, family, if I may call you that here tonight, this is the most important decision that you will make in your life. The most important decision that you will make in your life is to say, who is Jesus Christ in your life? Is he just another person in the Bible? Is he just another person in history? What type of a relationship do you have with him? So that type of relationship, but me, me and the man upstairs, we're cool. We're, we're good. My co-pilot, yeah, we're, we're all right. 
But I encourage you here tonight, analyze where you're at with Jesus. Truly think about where am I with Jesus? Is he truly my king? Is he truly my savior? Do all aspects of my life say that? Or if someone from the outside were to find out that I'm a Christian, would they say, George, he's a Christian? Really? That, that doesn't make any sense. Or would they say, wow, that makes sense. That, yeah, yeah, I can make the connection now. That's why he did what he did the other day. That's why he said what he said the other day. That's why he gave what he gave the other day. What can be said about us, family? See, he has prepared a place for you. Don't make light of it. And then not only did these people make light of it, but in verse 6 it says, And the rest, they seized his servants, they treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. Rightfully so, right? It says there, and he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Imagine not only denying what the king has for you, but then also apprehending his servants, treating them spitefully, and then killing them. What he did, he did so rightfully. In verse 8, it says, Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. And in verse 10 it says, So those servants went out into the highways, gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. You see, in a sense, we can say that this is a parable about grace. Those who were invited, those who ended up going, they were utterly undeserving of this invitation. And I don't know about you, but when I think of heaven, when I think of the idea of eternity with our heavenly father, I can't help but think of the fact that I'm undeserving. I can't help but think of that I am the chief sinner, and yet he has prepared a place for me. I can't help but think of that. And I pray that we realize that here tonight, that each and every one of us at best are just men, and we are sinners. And we definitely fall short of the grace of God. But he loves us so much that he has prepared a place for us. And in verse 11, it says, but when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. You see, in various cultures at the time, it was customary for all invited guests to be offered these garments to wear, and it would not be, you know, out of the normal for these guests to have this presented to them before going to the wedding. 
So the idea that he goes to this wedding and doesn't wear this garment is just crazy, right? Going back to, um, going back to my brother-in-law and him working at this hotel and that wedding, uh, the third day was actually a day where the bride and the groom, uh, they got to say thank you to everyone that served them. So on the third day, he, he kind of hung out with the bride and the groom, and the groom was wearing a nice pair of sandals. And my brother-in-law complimented him, right, and said, hey, nice pair of sandals, man. And he goes, you're a big dude. What size are you? And he goes, size 12. He goes, so am I. He takes off his sandals and he gives it to him. And imagine, you know, this guy telling him, maybe even prior to the wedding, hey, you come to the wedding, but you got to wear these sandals, right? And him saying, nah, I'm good. You, you gave them to me, but nah, I'm good. And this pair of sandals, where we later looked them up, and they were Versace sandals worth over $300. And this guy just gave it to him in appreciation for his service, for what he had done. And the idea here is that if you were a guest to this wedding, right, speaking of the parable, that you were to wear these garments, that you were to come dressed a certain way. And it says that the king, when he found him, and he saw that he wasn't dressed the way that he was supposed to be dressed, that he was speechless. Spurgeon, he had this to say. He said, he came because he was invited, but he came only in appearance. The banquet was intended to honor the king's son, but this man meant nothing of the kind. He was willing to eat the good things set before him, but in his heart there was no love either for the king or for his beloved son. And guys, we could be here tonight, right? We could be present. We could be in appearance sitting in these chairs. But we could be somewhere completely far away. We could be here for whatever benefits you find in a church, right? You could be here looking for a spouse. If it were Sunday, I would tell you, you could be here looking for a burger after church service, right? We may be here for the wrong reasons. And like Spurgeon said in this quote, only in appearance. Guys, let me remind you that church attendance, coming on Wednesdays, coming on Sundays, if you're a young adult on Mondays or a youth on Fridays, that's just coming to church. Church attendance does not equate salvation. And maybe you've been coming for years and years and years. Maybe you're even a servant, and you're sitting here tonight, and you realize, that's me. You're sitting here tonight, and you realize, man, I've lost my first love. I've walked away from it. I am just here in appearance. Tonight can be the night of repentance. Tonight can be the night where you say, you know what? I want to return to my first love. I want to return to that to that special time that I had with Jesus when I first decided to accept him into my life. When I first started serving so many years back. I want that fire in my heart. I no longer want to just be here in appearance. I no longer just want to be here warming up a seat on Sundays and on Wednesdays. 
I want our Heavenly Father to be mind-blown by the things that I'm doing. And not that I would get the glory, but that he would get the glory. Man, that is my son. That is my daughter. He's doing that? Praise the Lord. He's doing that? Man, that's what I had intended for him. That's what I had intended for her. I'm glad that he decided, that she decided, that she realized, that he realized that they were just warming up a seat. That they were just there in appearance. But I pray that that wouldn't be us here tonight. Matthew 7, in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, you could actually turn there. So I get a drink of water. Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's intense, right? I pray that's eye-opening. It says there, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? I'll add there, served in your name, attended a retreat in your name, gone to a men's study in your name? Had I not done those things? And again, it's the idea that church attendance does not equate salvation. We have to check our hearts. We have to check the reason why we're here tonight. Are you here tonight because it's what you do every Wednesday night? Are you here tonight because God has something fresh for your life? Because he does. Are you here tonight because God's word is living? It's sharp. It wants to pierce you. It wants to show you, hey, this is an area of your life that you've been holding on to. This is an area of your life that you've kept from me. And tonight, I'm calling you to give it to me. Tonight, I'm calling you to surrender this to me. Verse 13. Then the king said to the servants, as you turn back, to Matthew uh, 22. In verse 13, it says, Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, this is specifically talking about the gentleman that attended the wedding but was not wearing the garments. And then in verse 14, the parable ends and it says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called. Who's that? That's you here tonight in this room. But few are chosen. Man, I want to be chosen. Cool. Accept the Lord. You're chosen. 
Many are called. That's us here tonight. But few are chosen. And again, this is a parable of grace. You see God's love for his people through it. And speaking of God's love, I would welcome you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And here we see a description of love, okay? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, we'll read through those verses. And what I'd like to focus in on are the first two actions that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. So hopefully you turn there by now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, it says the following. Love, it suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek his own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love, love never fails. And there in verse four, and there's a lot here, right, in the description of love, but we see here in verse four, the first two things, it's love suffers long. Right? Love suffers long and it is kind. And Paul's description of love is started off with these two action words. And the idea is that love is not simply spoken, but there is action behind it. There is action behind true love. And we know that our Heavenly Father, when we think of how good He is and how much He loves us, we could think of His kindness and His long suffering. We could think of those two things. Specifically, uh, when we think of His kindness, you can look at Ephesians 4, verse 32, and you don't have to turn, turn there, but I'll read it. And it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You see, he forgave each and every one of us. The reminder there is to be kind and compassionate. I can't think of a better example than our Heavenly Father, than our Jesus. Kind, compassionate. Even when we think of the parable there in Matthew 22, right? And the idea that he had been speaking to the crowds. He had been speaking to the religious leaders. He had mentioned these things. And now he's he's saying them. He's talking to them in parables. But with the same mindset of, hey, the idea is you have to repent. Please do this. If you don't, man, there's going to be consequences. But I love you. I care for you. I want to continue to remind you of this. So there's kindness. There's compassion in our Heavenly Father's love for us. 
I think of my childhood. I think of my upbringing. The majority of it being in the church. And I see the Lord's hand in it all. I see his kindness. I see his love for me, for my family, for my sister, for my mom. I see his compassion. I see the way that he would comfort me at night when I would think of my father's passing away. I think of the way that, you know, I, I would struggle and I would have, you know, tough days thinking about that. And I can't help but think that he was whispering, I'm your heavenly father. I love you. I'm here for you. And years later, 2004, leap day 2004, I gave my life to the Lord. And I, and I realized just how kind, just how compassionate my heavenly father was. I said, I'm all yours. I'm, I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to give you my all. And of course, I may not have said that the first day, right? But we grow in our faith with the Lord, and it leads to those things. So where are we at? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And we see that our God's love for us, it is kind. But also in this description of love, right, the greatest picture of long-suffering is our Lord. And we know that our Lord, he is not slack concerning his promise, but long-suffering towards us, not willing that any of us should perish. That verse is in 2 Peter chapter 3. So turn with me towards the back of your Bible in 2 Peter chapter 3. And I pray that we would be able to tie this all together here as we go through 2 Peter chapter 3. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, we'll start off by reading the first nine verses. And it says the following in verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostle of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were, from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water. Verse 6, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. 
In verse 8, it says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is, and there's that word, long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There in 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 1, Peter is reminding the same Gentile Christians in the church of Asia Minor from Peter 1, from his first letter, to be ready for Jesus' return. While doing so, he is also asking them, hey, continue to grow in your faith. Continue to grow in your love. Continue to serve our God. He's, he's stating these things again to the same Gentile church, to the same church there in Asia Minor, to the same people. It's almost like he had to come back and tell them this. And it says in verse 2 that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. But then it says that this is the message of the scoffers. It says, Christians have talked about Jesus coming for over 2,000 years, and he still hasn't come back yet. So what do we do? right? They may mock us when we speak of Jesus coming back, when we speak of him returning for his church, when we talk about these things. And uh, in youth group on Friday nights, we're going through Matthew, and we're in Matthew 24 and 25. And the theme, the conversation has been with the high school group that we must be ready. And that each day, as we continue to wait for his coming, to be reminded that he could come at any time. And these scoffers, right, these people of the world, they may make fun of what we're waiting for. They may say, you've been waiting for a pretty long time. And you may be sitting in these chairs, and you may be a person that loves to listen to old teachings, right? And... I love that old teachings are readily available on the internet nowadays. And you could hear a teaching from the 80s, from the 70s, right? Man, you could go back and listen to all of these faithful men, these faithful pastors that, had, that have loved, you know, the Lord, walked with them, that were faithful to their congregation. You know, I think of Pastor Chuck Smith and of how faithful he was. If you listen to Pastor Chuck Smith's teachings, you will oftentimes hear about Jesus coming. You will oftentimes hear that he could come at any time. And you say, he was talking about it back then. Should I just forget about it today? No, family. That's what the enemy would love. That's what the enemy would love, that we would forget about it today. That we would set it to the side, right? That we would give it no value that we would say, ah, it's going to be a while from now. I'm just going to live my life. And family, we're called to live in such a way as though he wasn't coming for 30 years, 
as if he wasn't coming for a long time. We're called to live in such a way that we prepare for the future, that we have a five-year and a 10-year plan, right? If you're young here and you're not married, that, that you're planning towards marriage, that you're saving up, that you're doing these things, you're saving up for a home. Those things are all good, right? God calls us to do those things. He calls us to have a family. So we're called to do that. But we're also called to live in a manner as if he could come tonight. And it's not that we would say, you know what? I'm going to be irresponsible. He's coming tonight, right? We don't know when he's coming. But the idea is that he could come at any point. And we must be ready. Verse 5. For this they will willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. Right? In judgment, the earth was once flooded with water. The same God that created everything and later judged the world by form of a flood will one day bring a judgment of fire upon the earth. And verse 8, it says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. What seems like forever to... Um, us is but a short time to God. We think of our children. We think of, of youngsters, right? And you tell them, hold still for five minutes. And what happens? 30 seconds later, they're standing up, they're walking, and it's been five minutes. And it hasn't been. And here God's word tells us that uh, in the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. There's that word again. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God will keep his promise and will keep it without delay, but according to his timing. You see, family, we live in a microwave society, okay? We want to just be able to get it, throw it into the microwave, and it just comes out. We want it right away. And uh, I'm so blessed I'm able to um, help lead LHM now, the homeschool ministry that we have here at Calvary Chapel, Miami. And I'm able to have lunch with, with you know, the middle school group and the high school group. And um, one specific youth, he loves these, like, microwavable chicken and cheese pockets. And I'm like, cool. But... If that was made by mom the day before, and there's some rice and some beans attached to it, that would be so much better. And he says, this thing's amazing. I'm like, it's all right. <laughs> and the idea is that that's what you pop into a microwave, right? That's what you get. 
But that's what we expect sometimes from God. We want everything done right away. And when we hear of a pastor talking about Jesus coming in the 70s and in the 80s and in the 90s and in the early 2000s, and here we are and it's 2022, we're like, this is, this is taking too long. Well, where is he? Why, why hasn't he come back? And we begin to grow comfortable where we're at. We say, I'm just going to coast until he comes. I, I'm just going to keep doing what I've always done. And you don't allow going through God's word like we're going through it tonight to have an impact upon your life. It's just another Wednesday night. It's just business as usual. Hey, I, I, I've been there. I've done that. I've, I, I got the t-shirt. I'm, I'm good. I'm just going to coast. It's 2022. I, I, I'm just going to do what I've been doing for 30 years. I'm just going to do what I've been doing since I was a teenager. I'm just, I'm just going to keep on living my life. And God, he has something fresh for you tonight. He's encouraging you. Give it all to me. Give yourself entirely to me. That's a portion of scripture um, in 1 Timothy that the Lord used in my life. And um, specifically when it came to uh, giving up my job um, in the public school system and coming to um, help lead LHM. It was a calling to more. It was a calling to give myself entirely to him. To lay aside the things that I once held to be of value. My retirement, the, the extra money. Just, Lord, have all of that. I, I want to give you all that I am. I want to give you everything. And maybe you're here tonight and the Lord's downloading something into you. And you've been sitting there and you've been praying about it. It's the Lord. He's calling you to something. He's calling you to more. Find encouragement in that. Know that uh, he's not slack concerning his promises. He is faithful. So we look at all this. We say to ourselves, how do we respond to his relentless love? What do we do? What do we do here? First of all, if you're sitting in these chairs, and you've never given your life to the Lord. If you're sitting in these chairs and you say to yourself, I don't know if I have a spiritual birthday. I don't know if I've truly ever given my life to God. That is the first step, right? That is the first step. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the first step here tonight, family. That is how we respond to his love. We accept it. We realize that we're sinners. We realize that we've fallen short. And we say, I want to I wanna accept you, Lord. I, I realize that I'm not that great. I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize that the only way to heaven is to accept you. That's awesome. If you haven't done that, tonight could be the night of salvation. If you've done that, praise the Lord. If you've done that and you've walked away from him, if your love for him has grown cold, tonight is the night 
to ask him, Lord, will you light that fire again? Will you give me that desire to serve you again? Will you give me that desire to give you more, to give myself entirely to you? God, will you do that? So if that's you here tonight and you are on fire and you are walking with him, what can we do? Let's keep reading there in verse 10. And we see in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And as I welcome the worship team to come on up, there's a couple things I'd like to look at there. And it says that we would be of holy conduct and godliness, that these things would be what characterizes us. First Peter says, be holy for I am holy. The idea that we would be set apart, the idea that if we're here tonight, we've accepted Jesus, we're on fire for him, that we would continue to be set apart that we would continue to walk in a manner that we should be walking in so that when our heavenly father comes, that we would be found ready. Verse 14, it says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent. That word diligent, to be attentive, to be meticulous, to be careful, to be hardworking, to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. I'll end with these two quotes from Spurgeon. And they say the following. The king is coming. He is coming to his throne and to his judgment. Now a man does not go up to a king's door and there talk treason. And men do not sit in a king's audience chamber when they expect him every moment to enter and there speak ill of him. The king is on his way, family, and he's almost here. You are at his door and he is at yours. What manner of people ought we to be? How can we sin against one who is so close at hand?
And the second quote, it's this. You see, your body, it was once a willing horse when it was in the service of the devil. Let it not be a sluggish hack now that it draws the chariot of Christ. As I welcome up the pastors, they'll be available to pray with you. Guys, the encouragement is that if you're here tonight and you haven't accepted Jesus into your lives, if you're here tonight and you don't know if you have a spiritual birthday, I welcome you. Come up. The pastors will be up here. Come up and and ask them, how can I accept Jesus? And if that's you here tonight and you've accepted Jesus, that we would be walking in such a way that we would be giving him our all. Once a willing horse, when it was to the service of the devil, let it not be a sluggish hack now that it draws the chariot of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this night. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that uh, you're knocking at our door. Thank you, Father, that your coming is just so close. We pray, Father, that we would be those that would be found ready. Lord, we love you. We look to you. God, we continue to welcome you even in this uh, time of a couple worship songs as we close out the night. God, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we
Hey, family, as uh, I release you a little early tonight, um, I pray that if you're sitting in those seats and uh, you still have business to get done with our Heavenly Father, uh, that you would. Um, so as you will be dismissed at the end of this prayer, um, I ask that you guys would go quietly um, as we sing maybe a couple more songs of worship and uh, just uh, know that uh, the Lord is still knocking. Um, I got to think that there's someone here with unfinished business, someone here that uh, God is still calling to more. Uh, so the pastors will be available up front. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your love is long-suffering. Uh, God, that you uh, want to, Father, be able to say, you are my son, you are my daughter. God, to be able to say that uh, you will join me in heaven. And God, we know, Lord, that that is for each and every one of us, that calling. God, we pray that we would choose it. We pray, Lord, that uh, we would realize that we fall short, that you've called us to so much more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, family, so you are dismissed. The pastors will still be up here. You're welcome to continue to um, worship and uh, enjoy of the next song or two um, while we finish up.